1: Episode the Chicago Bulls Sports Ethos Coverage Show. I am your host, Keith Cork. I am joined by my good buddy and co-host here, Trey Hill, of course, and we are excited, super excited to have Mr. Will Gottlieb here from CHGO with us. Will, man, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, guys. Thanks for having me on absolutely man we are uh, we are psyched to have you man been following your work uh, I'm, I'm one of those you know twitter lurkers uh that you know follows in the shadows here uh, obviously i've been a Bulls fan for a long time but i've uh, been following your work and you do a great job uh you know posting video clips and uh doing some breakdowns about what's happening on the, on the floor for the bulls man so i am excited to pick your brain uh about this chicago bulls team which you know i think we're all pretty excited about but uh, before we do get started here, listeners, please take a moment to go follow at ethos fantasy BK on Twitter. It's the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your new NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at ethos fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow it now. So, uh, before we jump into everything, we're gonna we're gonna just talk to Will here just about his past, um, his you know, fandom, like we do with every guest here, and also uh, what he thinks about this uh, season's Bulls just in general. But before we do that, I want to uh, give you get your guys' take here real quick on uh, what happened in the last game with the Pistons. Now, I was working, obviously. I think I told you that, Trey. Uh, we just finished up our our. Uh, basketball tournament for our local uh, rec league here, which I've helped run from the beginning. So I'm glad that's over because those parents were awful to deal with during the tournament, but that's over now. I didn't get to watch the, the Pistons game. I was watching bits and pieces of it today uh, on NBA league pass, but I want to ask you guys about Tristan Thompson taking on that just leadership vocal role and screaming at the bench in the fourth quarter to get them to perform. Uh, Trey, is that something that you think, you know, we needed on this team? Is that something that we're expecting Tristan Thompson? Is that a role we're expecting him to play for this team?
2: I don't know if we were expecting him to play that role. I certainly wasn't. But if he can come in and get the guys motivated whenever they obviously needed a a little something extra, it worked, and it came through. And the Pistons, we kind of look at them as a team that's a rollover kind of team, but they had won six of their last eight before that. Bagley coming in and really kind of changed things. And Cade's really coming on. So if I'm I'm fully supportive of Tristan doing that, especially because it seems like he knows how to read the room because he's been here for, you know, part of the losing streak. And that wasn't something he was doing then. So his timing was good with it. So I I thought it was just spectacular and it was it was nice to actually get a win. So whatever leads to wins, that's what I want (laughs) to happen.
1: Amen with that, brother. Will, I'm assuming you caught that. What were your thoughts on that, man?
2: Yeah, I saw,
3: you know, arguments on both sides of it. I think I am kind of indifferent. Um, Like some people just learn in different ways. So, you know, there's going to be some players you saw, Io, who's like, you know, those clips of him being like, who is, why is he talking to me like this? Um, Maybe it doesn't work for him. At the same time, you can't really argue with the results. I mean, they were playing miserable defense, Uh um, getting back cut left and right, uh, giving up transition points. I mean, Saban Lee, was out here just absolutely destroying Kobe. Uh, Rodney Magruder's hitting like three threes in a row in the corner. It was just like a really poor defensive effort. And, you know, it sort of seemed to align, uh, or the shift in defensive energy and urgency seemed to align with the way that Tristan was really getting into folks. So uh, the other thing there, I think, is that, um, you know, he really counterbalances the leadership of DeRozan, who's super calm and poised and quiet. And so, you know, I think there's value in having it there. Maybe it doesn't work for everyone, um,
1: but yeah, I mean, can't argue with the results. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, basketball player and basketball coach in my life, I've done both, uh, had done both roles, and uh, people do react and and you know. Uh, pick up on things different differently, right? They they just have different ways that they want to be coached and, and taught things. So I think uh, you know it might have worked for some, didn't work for others. But like you guys said, results speak for themselves. But I'll tell you guys, I'm not surprised about this because I don't know if you guys followed Tristan Thompson while he was in Sacramento at all. But this guy, like at press conferences, it was leaked. It was leaked out like he he's always this like fiery and passionate because uh, you know back in November 2021. Uh, he had a fiery press conference answer about the coaching, need, need, needing coaching to be motivated to play a basketball game. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes from that is, the day I need a coach to inspire me is the day I effing retire. Uh, I'm effing retired. So so this is a guy that, you know, he, he kind of uh, fancies himself as a leader, whether or not he is. Uh, I don't know. He's never the best guy, basketball player on the court, but you don't necessarily, I mean, you know, we had Joe Noah. You don't necessarily have to be the best basketball player on the court to be the leader on the court um i also remember in training camp he grabbed the mic during a buddy healed presser and responded to a question about him being traded to the lakers he came out of the you know wherever he was sitting and like took the mic and was like hey that's a dumb question uh you know buddy's here and he's playing for the for the Kings." so uh it doesn't surprise me that, that he's this vocal guy because that's like who he just is but uh like you guys said i think people you know different people react to different things but just want to pick your brains about that but will um So you are with CHGO now, just as of just recently. Um, But before that, you were with The Athletic. uh, You were with a number of different places. Just tell me, run me through what you've done in the past here uh, so our listeners know and what you're doing now. Sure, yeah. Um,
3: Been kind of all over the place. CHGO launched last Friday. Um, We're recording this Thursday night. It's almost a week ago now. And it's been great so far. Just, you know, moving back to Chicago, um, being able to cover the bulls full time doing the podcast, doing the show. Um, I've written almost every single day this week, which has been awesome. Um, definitely go check out the coverage, all Um, it's really fun. We've got, I think a little bit of something for everyone, obviously covering the bulls, but all Chicago sports. So it's going to be fun. Um, before that, yeah, I started at, um, at just like blogging at various sites, SB nation. Um, among other places. And when The Athletic first started in Chicago in 2016, I jumped on with them, um, doing some contributing there and um, writing alongside Stefan O, who's awesome and is now at uh, Sporting News, and Sean Hyken, um, who's at Bleacher Report. Um, I was working full-time at Bleacher Report at the time in the Bay Area in San Francisco, and was doing writing on the side and um eventually started covering the Warriors as well for Bleacher Report. So um kind of covering the Midwest and the West Coast. Um and did that for several years. Um and yeah, now here I am at CHGO and like I said, it's been a
1: ton of fun so far. So you said moving back to Chicago. Where have you been recent most recently?
3: Out in San Francisco. Yeah. I was living there from twenty sixteen, early twenty sixteen until uh, a week ago today.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, we're two Illinois boys. Um, I'm originally from the suburbs, lived in the city proper for several years. Uh, I know Trey's from uh, more south of there, but uh, both Illinois boys and, uh, you know, we like to have fun. Go ahead, Trey, you unmuted yourself. What do you have to say to me now? Go ahead.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.
2: Oh no! I just heard you bringing up where I was from. I was going to correct you and and let him know that I was from way down south in Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Not uh, not necessarily near the city, but that's okay. We'll still count you. Okay, you're you're just uh, you're okay. You're okay in our books. You get a pass. Um, no, it's all good, man. And well, uh, so tell me. I always like to just ask people and just talk people through because you know I've been a Bulls fan since day one. You know, back in the you know the second three Pete, uh, Jordan era. I know you're a little bit younger than I am. Um, so, you know, tell me how did your fandom start? I mean, you're, you're from the Chicago area, if I recall, and you know, where, where did you really fall in love with Bulls basketball?
3: Yeah. From Chicago, um, grew up here. Uh, basically my dad sat me down and made me start watching Bulls games before I could walk or know what was going on. Um, I was born in 92. So, um, really more of that second repeat was like I was aware of what was happening um but I fell in love with it right away I mean I was watching the first half of games and then you know I'd have bedtime and then they would my parents would record on VHS the second half and I'd wake up in the morning and watch so uh as as early as I can remember I've been watching the Bulls um you know sneaking into my parents bedroom to watch like Ron Mercer and Fred Hoiberg on like a little six inch (laughs) TV um and obviously like the the Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich and then eventually Derek Rose days really solidified it for me. So um yeah, I've been kinda watching
1: since I was born. And did you did you play the game also at uh, you know high school, college level?
3: Yeah, I grew up playing. I played a little bit in high school. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I can I play pickup uh, pretty regularly. It's been a okay. while just with COVID. Um less interested in going and sharing a gym with a bunch of
0: uh, <laughs> sure. people
3: yeah. and all of that but uh yeah never played at a super high level but um
1: well i'm 35 and fat so that, yeah. Love yeah. Watching it. <laughs> i'm yeah. 35 and fat so your, your, your excuses are better than mine. i'm in habits, good company so yeah there you go yeah perfect uh no it's all good man i uh yeah so so outside of michael jordan obviously who is your favorite chicago bull Let's say past past the 90s. Don't no 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 Scotty Pippen. That's a that's a cop out answer too. Uh, okay. no, no Tony Kukoc. So past the 90s, who's your favorite Chicago Bull?
3: I would say probably a tie between Derek and Joaquin. I just mm-hmm. love the the sort of yin and yang of those two and the, the pairing way that they, of the two. Yeah, yeah, the way that they like dominated the game in such different ways um, and counteracted each other. I I just I mean, Derek was, like, probably my favorite athlete of all time, but I really love uh, Joakim as a bull. I just think he's, like, you know, that that 2013 season was just so amazing. And it's too bad that um, he was never – that the peaks of, like, him and Jimmy Butler and Derek never really aligned because I think Mm -hmm. we would have been looking at uh, title number seven if that all worked out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. I I love Joaquin because he was just like, he just was so emblematic of, you know, the heart and soul of the city, which is just, you know, work hard, um, unorthodox, does it his way, uh, doesn't really give a crap what anybody says, you know, it's it, down to earth, but at the same time um, wants to do his own thing. I mean, he was just, you know, I, it was always when you read about him in, in the newspaper and the Chicago Tribune and whatnot. It was always like he's the heart and soul of the team, and um, there's absolutely no way I could deny that. So I, I, I might have to go with Joakim. I don't know, but Derek Rose, I think, is probably uh, the one that you know would be my favorite, just because you know, I got to see him play in high school and uh, just such a you know the Chicago kid. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's hard to, to differentiate those two, but it's always a good answer, of course. Uh, and I've been asking people about how their feelings about Gar Packs in the past, but I'm actually going to ask you because it's kind of more in the news these days. How do you feel about Tom Thibodeau these days? How do you how did you feel about him as a coach of the Bulls?
3: Uh I think it's kind of the the just formula of of Thibodeau we're seeing right now. Is like he comes in, he raises the floor, uh gets everybody to buy in, has you playing elite defense, and ultimately kind of starts to turn the wrong direction and people get frustrated and tired and annoyed, and he kind of is stubborn in his ways and and isn't really flexible or, um, doesn't really make the necessary adjustments when the playoffs come around. So, uh, this isn't necessarily new to me. It's a shame that it keeps on happening because I do think there is value in being that, you know, floor raising team, mm-hmm. um, or floor raising coach, excuse me. Uh, the way that he sort of revolutionized the ice defense I think goes uh, really underappreciated um but it's also not really like that spectacular revolutionary anymore and so I think um his ceiling as a coach is just has gone down year after year um I love Tibbs I think you know I've had the chance to talk with him a little bit he's a really nice guy um and I yeah I wish that people uh Loved and appreciated him more. I think obviously last year they did. And this year you're seeing exactly what always happens. Um, but I think he's a very good coach. Uh,
1: I think it just starts to not work out and you kind of have to ding him there. Yeah, I think uh, Cam Reddish fans on Twitter are probably pretty upset with him right now because uh, he doesn't get yeah. to play. But uh, uh, Trey, I don't think I've ever asked you what you think about Tom, uh, just in general. Yeah, give, give me an answer. I haven't heard from you a while, man. I got to make sure he's still there. <laughs>
2: uh, basically exactly what will just said Mm. he's a great floor raiser he's going to come in to me he is the he's the best version of scott skiles Mm.
0: uh
2: you know to throw it to another bulls coach he's a little you know the game has evolved a little bit past him so you know he's not this revolutionary genius but he's a quality coach i just I don't know where, I don't know what kind of team you, you would want him on going forward. Maybe like something like the magic, but w- would he even want to do like a rebuilding? I, yeah. I guess for me, like I, I, I love Thibs, but to me, I wonder going forward, where does he go forward from here?
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it's a really interesting question. I, um, Feel bad for Knicks fans a little bit, even though uh, you screw them uh, because they're always so awful on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I do feel bad because, yeah, I think we are seeing exactly what what uh, Will said is is just basically the trajectory that every time you know the team has uh, since we've seen him coach. So uh, love the guy. I love I love his work ethic because he's just like married to the game. He just like doesn't take anything above the game. Uh, she's such a purist in that sense. It's like you can't dislike the guy, but at the same time, yeah, I think you know. Teams, teams in the league just have caught up to him, like like Will said also. So, uh, man, I think he's going to have to head on to greener pastures after the season's over, which is sad to see, it, but uh, probably do. Uh, okay, last, last question for you before we move on here, Will, just to get to know you a little bit better. And I always ask every guest this. Uh, it's a little bit of a downer. Where were you when Derek Rose tore his ACL?
3: I was in the Reed First Lounge uh, on Grinnell College campus watching hmm. with um, – Couple of Knicks fans, actually. And uh, I mean, obviously, just ruined the night, ruined the week, ruined the next five years. So
1: uh, I will not forget that for sure.
2: Uh, I relate to that escalation.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to like frantically look this up. Renault College, I think that might have been the same conference as me. I went to Knox College. Uh, yep. I don't, yeah, okay. One I think of our I we uh, interns
3: at CHGO uh, goes to Knox. His name is Kyle. He's great. Cool. Um, but yeah, um, I will never forget that. That's a good question that everybody <laughs> who you bring on will always have an answer to.
1: Yeah, yeah, they should remember. It's like it's like um, you know, I don't wanna. I know that uh, Joakim, you know, likened it to 9/11, which I don't want to go that far. It's not like that, but it is a very devastating thing that happened. Uh, and you kind of remember like, oh my gosh, because I remember very clearly where I was. I'm not gonna say it again because I've said it like four times on the show. But yeah, you you do remember very clearly uh, where you are at that time. But we're gonna move on, man. We've got some really exciting uh you know things to talk about here as far as the bulls go in this uh, current team which is more of an uplifting subject because they are still doing pretty well this season even though they've been faltering lately uh but before we do move on i want to also uh let you all know about a brand new daily fantasy partner at sports ethos thrive fantasy prop up with thrive fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com use code ethos when you sign up to get 100 deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play big player props on big The biggest names playing every night score points when your props hit and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money and check out our sports ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. And make sure you go to my Twitter, guys, at BSVP Keith, and sign up with my uh, my link there because uh, it gets me goodies. And if you use the promo code ETHOS, you get even more goodies. So there you go. Um, but, yeah, moving on, man, we've got some exciting stuff to talk about. First off, first and foremost, the Bulls are finally getting healthy, Will and Trey. Uh, my goodness. Like, you know, we've got uh, Caruso coming back most likely at the start of next week is what I'm seeing around here. Um, we've also got Patrick Williams uh, being clear, being cleared for full contact any day now. I mean, I don't know if he's uh, taking contact just yet. I think it's like controlled contact is what they called it, so not full contact just yet. And then we've got Lonzo Ball uh, in the gym working out. He hasn't been uh, cleared for contact, not practicing uh, with contact of any sort, but he possibly could return by the end of March, I believe. So um, looking good, Trey. I mean, how are you feeling about this Bull squad uh, getting these people back? How is that going to you know, change things? I mean, we're going to get Caruso back you know, very soon here.
2: I was already excited about Caruso coming back. And then you told me Will was coming on. So I did some last minute prep and I saw Will posted an article. So, Will, I'm going to get ready and throw it to you so you can plug your article and also kind of just kind of break down how amazing Caruso was. But there's one paragraph in here. I'm going to read it. Isolating this even further, the Bulls' defensive rating with Caruso on the floor is 102. Without him, it drops to 114.4 perspective here is that the league leading celtics defensive rating is 105.6 while the blazers and kings share the 28th worst defensive rating at 114.5 that kind of just epitomizes the effect that caruso has on this team and i can't wait to have him and his point of attack defense back i think it's going to be game changing for the bulls
1: um yeah good call the good call trade i i've Apologize about that. Well, I should have plugged your article first and foremost, but yeah, he does have an article about <laughs> no Caruso uh, at all, Uh Go ahead, uh, Will. Uh, speak speak to us about Caruso and his impact.
3: Yeah, I mean, he is just such a fun player to watch. I I really enjoy, um, you know, like focusing in on watching guys do their thing defensively. Um, Lonzo is one of my favorite players because of the way that he just like command space on the floor and directs traffic as a weak side defender and just how much ground he covers. But um, Trey, as you mentioned Caruso's ability at the point of attack, I mean, people kind of throw that term around, but just the way that he pressures the ball handler, the way that he gets over screens and stays attached to the ball handler, um, the bulls run this drop coverage in, in pick and roll. And I think a lot of fans get frustrated with it because Vucevic is out here trying to guard two at once and um they don't really have anybody to get back to the pick and pop big um and Caruso just you know the way that he is able to fight over those screens as I said um and get his hands in the passing lane and basically prevent dribble penetration in these pick and rolls it completely changes the entire identity of this Bulls team and you know it's easy to forget because he hasn't played since like mid-December. Um, just how good a defense this team was when fully healthy. Um, you know, the Bulls offense right now is looking really great. But I really think that their defense was what made them special early on in the season. And Caruso almost single-handedly does that. I mean, he, you, there are highlights of him guarding Giannis. There are highlights of him ripping Steph up at the top of the key. He just he guards everyone. And, you know, Io's done a pretty good job. Uh, he's a second-round pick. He's a rookie. Um, so like you have to have, you know, the right expectations with him. But Caruso is just one of the top defenders in the league, and you can't really replace that.
1: Yeah, I am so looking forward to this guys. And uh, I think, well, I think you and I would get along because, as I tell Trey all the time, the defensive side of the ball is the one I pay t- attention to the most. And so the last. Uh, what, month and a half, two months of of Bulls basketball have just been dreadful for me to watch. The the defense is just absolutely terrible. Uh, It does start with the point of attack oftentimes uh and like you said crusoe is just such a such a big part of that he's going to help so much with that um you know i don't think it's something where it's going to be like night and day i don't think he moves the needle like exponentially i don't think but uh, as far as the defensive side goes absolutely it's going to be such a, a a godsend for us and i am so looking forward to it man just as a little bit of a reference point here i uh, did a little bit of digging here the bulls were 11th in defensive rating from uh, october 20th to December twentieth, which was about you know a two month stretch there where they were eleventh in defensive rating, which was fantastic. Uh, that coincides with you know Caruso's uh, injury and Lonzo entering the health and safety protocols because that d- that very next day I believe was when they did that. Uh, so from 12-21 on, they were twenty third in defensive rating. So they've dropped you know from the top third of the league to the bottom third of the league. And to start the season, guys with Patrick Williams included uh, for for a couple games there as well, they were a top five defense. And Trey, you and I have talked about that. ad ad nauseum on this program about how you know defensively this team really had an identity start the season and they just have lost that because they've just lost the guys that really gave them that the the perimeter defense with Lonzo Ball with Alex Crusoe and Patrick Williams with the ability to you know as Will said recover to that you know the the rolling or the guy that's going to be uh spotting up for the three-point shot so um any other thoughts here Trey on Getting these people back and and what it means for us, Uh, maybe on the offensive side, because I think you had some points for the offensive side as well.
2: Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. I love the defense and what they bring, and I, I, I think the defensive value is probably higher than the offensive value. But I think their offensive value is being a little underrated because of, you know, the defensive highlights and everything we see. Caruso, according to B-Ball Index, he's rated in the 90th percentile in playmaking talent. He's an A. Lonzo's a 95 percentile. He's an A+. And I think what those guys really excel at in their playmaking is how quick they make decisions whenever they're past the ball. They're like that connective playmaker. And a lot of it seems like the Bulls' struggles are they don't seem to take advantage of the defenses whenever... You know, when DeMar gets the soft double, they don't take advantage of that soft double because the playmaking just doesn't seem quick enough. So do you got to me? I think the offense is really going to be helped from having Lonzo and Caruso back because of their playmaking ability to kind of keep the offense flowing and to attack the weak points in the defense when DeMar and Zach give them those weak points. What do you guys think? Well, you you know, you're the guest. So really, I'm kind of talking to you here. What do you think about what they add on the offensive end?
3: I really agree with what you said in terms of them being connective pieces. Um, the Bulls right now are running a lot of isolations and plays to set up isolations because I just don't think they really have the um, the quick decision, you know, uh, 0.5, make a decision, move the ball, that they would with Caruso and Lonzo. Um, you know, I don't know what that means for Zach, Um, At this point, just given that, you know, we're not positive how his knee is doing, but um, totally agree. I mean, I think they they take a lot of pressure off of DeMar. Uh, They allow you to massage lineups so that there's always basically two of Caruso, Lonzo, Zach and DeMar on the floor at any given time. They add spacing. Um, I think the Bulls are going to get back to what made them really good in the first part of the season on both sides. But to your point, offensively. It it won't just be the Damar show because it won't have to be. And as well as Damar is playing right now, the Bulls are actually, I think last time I checked, fifth in offense. Um, And that's just credit to like Damar breaking Wilt records, which, you know, that's probably not going to continue. So uh, you're getting help in different ways. Uh, You're able to play different styles. And I think that especially when teams start to figure figure you out in the playoffs and you have to make adjustments, I think that really helps.
1: Yeah, as soon as that Lonzo ball news dropped um, and he was going to be missing, you know, an extended period of time, it was like a gut punch because it was like, you know, we've already dealt with so much. And uh, I know, you know, I've been saying, I think the Bulls are going to slip here to the fifth or sixth seed. Um, I think that's, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end of the program, but I think that's probably what we're looking at here. Um, But we just need to tread water while those guys are out. And I think the Bulls have done a great job, and I think, like you said, Will, the the biggest part of that has just been DeMar playing, just so so significantly above the mean compared to other people, you know, other players in his same position, uh, being the the go-to guy on offense, being the isolation guy on offense, hitting those jumpers from the, you know, free throw line extended the elbow, basically. Uh, just getting them up and just, you know, doing it with efficiency, doing it with... Um, I think I saw one of your tweets, Will, where you're talking about how he's, like, dedicated to the process, and it, it's just... It is almost like he's a machine out there when it's like when you're talking about offense because he gets to his he knows you know you know what's going to happen. Watching the game from bird's eye view from home on the television screen, you know what's going to happen. The entire defense knows what's going to happen, but nobody can stop it. It's just it's just so um, efficient. It's just it's just he gets to he gets what he wants. I've criticized Zach in the past actually for doing
3: those sort of prescribed like I know what move I'm going to try right now, and regardless of how the defense you know attacks me regardless of what's going on on the floor i'm going to take this shot the way that i want to and for zach i just in the in the past at least it hasn't really worked out for him and you almost see the same thing with damar where he gets to his elbow he does his pump fake he does the sidestep he does whatever it is that he's going to do and the shot's going up and it's really just a matter of whether he makes or misses it because it's not really defensible Mm -hmm. um so, totally agree. And, and he just, he never gets sped up. His pace is always there. Um, he never makes mistakes with the ball. He doesn't turn it over. And he just, those are all things that Zach has not been able to do to this point in his, in his career and why, you know, yeah. from the beginning, I thought that he would be a great signing in the offseason, um, sign and trade. So, I I just cannot believe what I'm seeing from Damar uh, so much of the time. Mark Karnezis wrote a piece about it for us at allchgo.com today, talking in just about how special
1: of a season he's having. So, totally agree with that. I wanted to chime in. So, no, it's, it, and actually, that's it, a good uh, point, a good question, because um, so you were actually on the, on the right side of history here, along with uh, Trey and myself, in saying that this Demar signing was actually a good thing. I was so pumped when it happened, just because I had seen the, you know, I'd seen Demar play so much with the with the Spurs. Um, knew what he did, knew what he brought to the table. I didn't expect this. I don't think anyone expected what he's done for the Bulls so far this season. But, but you were, uh, but you were for it. Is that what you're saying? I was. I mean, there's. It was certainly
3: not like something that had no downside, right? Like there was mm-hmm. risk involved. Oh sure. But sure. I just, you know, what I said earlier, like Zach is not able to handle those clutch situations, and if the Bulls are going to win some games, they need mm-hmm. somebody who can. But the criticism yeah. was like. They need a big wing playmaker who can get his own basket. And like, if you just look at what DeMar is and you take away all the stigma of his, you know, previous playoff failures and Mm -hmm. what the contract was and trading Fad and a pick to get him. um, Yeah. It's exactly what the bulls needed and what Zach needed. So I was a fan of it. Certainly defensively, there were question marks. Um, And I think, you know, I I thought the bulls would be like a top 20 defense. And I guess right now they're 23rd, but uh, with, Lonzo and Crusoe, I think they get back up around, you know, that 15 mark. And that's a really good team right there. So
1: yeah. I always thought
3: it was um, risky, but but high upside.
1: And uh, we got a little bit off topic there, but I think, you know, we were talking about how uh, the guys coming back going to help the offense, just so I can chime in a little bit on that. I think uh, as far as the offense goes, Lonzo Ball is probably the biggest piece I'm, I'm looking at here because there's so much gravity that uh, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan command from the defense on the opposing team and, and all that space you need to creating space is one thing but then capitalizing in that space is the other thing and being able to capitalize on spaces with is going to bring because um just his his efficiency from three-point line uh this season has just been incredible and I have no reason to believe it's going to be any different when he comes back so uh but yeah good stuff guys so let's move on here we're going to talk a little bit about the playoff picture because we are getting there we've got 16 games left I believe if I'm remembering correctly so 16 games left for the Chicago Bulls um what are we looking at here, Trey? Uh, I know, you know, we talked, what, about a week ago uh, about the playoff picture. We did a show. Please go check that out, by the way, Sports Ethos, uh, uh, Chicago Bulls on Apple iTunes or wherever the heck you listen to podcasts. It's all over the place, so just go find if it. If you're
2: listening to this podcast, <laughs> just go, go back a couple days. Yes, and you'll
1: find there it. you go. You'll find it. Uh, anyways, the playoff picture. So I know I said we were talking about it, and I said, you know, I think the Bulls are probably going to slide to five, six here in the next 10, 11, 12 games, and you were you were you were feeling that man. You weren't feeling it, but here we are. So how do you feeling now?
2: I mean, I said we were gonna fall to five, probably. I mm. thought that Boston would would jump us, but I th- I think we can stay ahead of the Cavs, who you know they're missing Allen now that he's broken his finger. The uh, Rubio's out, Sexton's out. I think we can stay ahead of the Cavaliers, and then we're f- we're what four and a half games up on the Raptors. We're seven games up on the Nets. I'm I, I think we're destined to have another epic first-round matchup with the Celtics. That's what is going to happen. It's going to be the Bulls and the Celtics. It's going to go seven games, and it's going to just be fantastic.
3: Bulls and so, six, I thought. Bulls and six? Is that what you said? <laughs> That's just the moniker. but I, I, I agree. I think at this point, it doesn't seem like the Cavs or the Raptors have enough time to overtake the Bulls. Um, they're all, also just like not playing... At their peak form, the Celtics are the best team in the league since 2022. In my opinion, um, their net rating is like 11.7. They're just playing out of their minds on both ends. And I would not want to face them in the first round. So um, I do think there are a couple teams here that I would want to avoid. The 76ers who are getting, I'm watching this as we record here, blown out by 32 um, against the Nets uh 76ers and the Celtics were probably the two teams that I would want to face the least uh just given the way that they match up and the level that they're playing at presently but I do think the Bulls end up in that 4 or 5 spot.
1: So so Bulls Celtics uh playoff series you think that's going to be a, a just a bad matchup for them because of uh because of like the Jason Tatum or it, what like what's what's specifically scares you about that matchup? Their defense is just
3: mm. I just don't know how the Bulls score against them. I mean, they have Marcus Smart, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams. Uh, I, I just don't see anybody scoring against them. They can switch one through five. They have four guys that can guard Demar and Zach straight up. Um, I just, I think it's a really tough matchup. And then on the other end, like, who do you really have that can, that you can throw at Jason Tatum? Um, That's the Patrick Williams will coming hard. out party. <laughs> yeah, it would, wouldn't that be great? It's going uh, to ask. I think a lot of it has to do with like, is there a three point ball falling? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's true for everyone to a certain extent. Like, the three point variance is just insane these days. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I also just think that they're peaking at the right time. Um, so, yeah, I, the Bulls were like sort of that team of destiny in the first half of the season. The Celtics, to me, kind of feel that way in the
1: second half. Yeah, they're play- I know. And Trey, let, let me give you your flowers, man. You were on the Celtics to start the season. I know you were hoping they'd have a great regular season. It's not going to be a great regular season for them, but they have hit their stride here uh, in the last, what, month, couple of months here. So uh, how are you feeling about that Celtics team and if the Bulls do end up in a playoff
0: series with them?
2: I mean, he will said it. The the Celtics are, have been the best team in basketball probably lately. The Suns might you know squabble with that, but they've been without Paul and Booker. So in that kind of matchup, I think Vucevic is going to be very important. And I didn't really hear him get mentioned much because he he is a legit big guy. He's got real post moves. If they decide to not do the two bigs with Horford and Time Lord and only have one of them out there. Vooch has to take advantage and force them to stay in the paint and not be able to have that that roaming kind of defense that Time Lord's just kind of eaten teams alive with. They've been just super effective with Horford and Time Lord out there, and then Time Lord guards that corner guy, and he can just kind of roam and use his defensive instincts to to make plays. Mm-hmm. And I think if the Bulls match up with the Celtics, they're going to have to have Vucevic come through for them and just... That, I think that's how you break down the Boston Celtics defense from within because smart and white, they're too good on the outside. And, uh, I mean, maybe attacking Brown and Tatum. I saw, uh, it might have been Mark Schindler tweeted something. I'm not sure, but somebody tweeted out a couple of clips of when you put those two in actions together, they're they're a little bit slow on the communication and the recovery. So maybe if you put those two in actions uh, you know, if they're guarding Zach and tomorrow maybe we could find some advantages. But I, it's a bad matchup to me. And unless you think the Bulls are going to be able to jump up to that three spot and play the Cavaliers, it's uh, we're looking at a bad matchup no matter who we face.
1: That's a good point. Um, And I was going to ask. So so one quick question for you real quick, Trey, uh, you did say the Sixers are probably your most your least favorite uh, matchup for the Bulls, though. Is that still the answer for you or are you feeling worse about, you know, uh the Heat or, or the Nets or, or whoever?
2: Uh, probably the Nets. Mm-hmm. The lack of the, the lack of not having Seth Curry in that shooting for the seventy sixers kind of worries me. Come playoff time. Embiid probably scares me the most, but after watching Kevin Durant, you know, that first half, I don't think he hit the net on his first four makes tonight, he, he's just the most fluid scorer. So I think the Nets are my most, the team I'm most afraid of. I'm still I'm not scared of the time. Nets. I'm, just gonna, I'm still not scared of the Nets. I'm not scared
1: of the Nets. I'm not. Uh, no, I mean, it is. Uh, it, they, I mean, Kevin Durant is, 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 is an answer to that. I mean, he. you always have to be afraid when you're across from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's playing incredible the last uh, few games, obviously. Uh, so it's, it's really rough and and the bulls, I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup no matter who we get. You're right about that Trey. And, uh, my, I think, you know, my goalpost here for the bulls was to win a first round playoff series. And I think I'm going to have to adjust that goalpost because I really don't think there's a good chance that it happens. I mean, can it happen? Certainly. Um, I wouldn't give it a better than 50% chance. I, I don't know. I mean,
2: uh, I, I I'm staying on that. the bandwagon. I'm yeah. I, I just need you two to you know are talking I am on the championships,
1: bandwagon. you know, in the in the first uh first month or so of the season, two months I was...
2: or so I was calling them the pseudo-championship contender that I, they they deserve to be.
1: Pseudo being the operative word there. But anyways, uh, as Trey is giving you the BS, stop, stop giving your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is le- allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link ExpressVPN.com HoopBall. Yes, we are Sports Ethos. We used to be HoopBall, so it is still that. To get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription, it's super easy. Turning it on just takes one and clicking it works great with streaming services like netflix or sports packages like league bass too once more this expressvpn.com hoopball grab those three bonus months right meow i mean now uh but okay so you you did bring up vooch there uh and that's our next topic here uh actually uh before we go on let me ask you uh real quick uh just quickly will maybe just a one one word answer here but who would you prefer that the bulls met mad- would match up with in the first round Cavs. Okay, and Trey, what about you? I don't think
3: that's necessarily realistic, but that would yeah. be the ideal, I think. Sure. And Trey, yeah,
2: what the, about ca- you? the ca- I think the Cavs is so between the Heat, Bucks, and Seventy Sixers, who would you who would you like to see the most?
1: The most? Uh, hmm. Heat, Bucks, Seventy Sixers. Probably the Heat. Honestly, I'm gonna go with the Heat. What about you, Will? I kind of think the Bucks, which mm-hmm. is maybe a
3: hot take, but that um, is a hot take. Yeah, I think like Spolstra can basically single handedly win you a series. I don't think Budenholzer has that same juice as a coach. Um, the way that Caruso was guarding Giannis in that first game, I know there was a lot of like weirdness going on with the, the threes and all that. But I do think that the Bulls match up decently against the Bucks. They've been two really close games. Um, neither of them, the Bulls have been healthy. And, you know, there's that stat of how great Drew and Chris Middleton and uh, Giannis are together the Bulls have been like hanging right around there without uh Lonzo in one game and without Caruso and Lonzo in the other so I think I'm not saying the Bucks are frauds I think they're obviously very good they're the champs but um I don't know man something about the way that the Bulls match up is is just a little bit intriguing to me I think the Heat are probably a close second um yeah. Only because, you know, it still hurts me a little bit to watch Jimmy Butler beat the Bulls. But um <laughs> Yeah, Sixers yeah. and Celtics, like please I'd want to stay away from them. Okay, back at you, Trey.
1: Who out of those, who do you want?
2: I, I'm also on the Bucks. I mm. styles make fights and in a fight between the Bucks and the Bulls, I like the matchup that the Bulls have. And this is, you know, assuming some health on our end, but I think I would let it's Bucks heat than 76ers, just like you guys for me, or just like, well, yeah. no, you, you, I'm you want you want to see not... the heat. I want to see the heat. You're I, a Kyle I,
1: Lowry it, hater though.
2: So no, it makes me want to bury I, him.
1: I, I, I very, I very much, uh, undervalued Kyle Lowry coming into the season. Thank you for reminding me of that Trey, but no, I, I also just don't think uh, when it comes to like, you know, your best players, we need the games and I'm, I'm taking Booch, Zach and Damara over, um, Jimmy Bam out and, I guess Kyle Lowry is probably the third best player over there. I'm taking my 3 over that 3 all, all day. So that's my that's my reasoning there. I uh, just wanted to give that quickly just so I have some kind of reasoning. But anyways, uh moving on, let's talk about Vucevic. Let's talk about that big man in the center for the uh, Chicago Bulls and our th- our th- our operative third star there. Um well, let me shoot this to you. He seems uh Vucevic seems to be a polarizing figure. Uh both among fans and, and among people who cover the team. So, I mean, why? Why do you think that is? I mean, is it just the slow start, or is it because he, you know his gaffes are just like so obvious sometimes? I mean, what 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 do you think is causing that? I think the the cold start
3: has a lot to do with it. Um, he came over from the Magic last trade deadline, and I don't think he really looked that great um, after that. And so I don't think he's really ingratiated himself uh, the way that he you know was playing at a All Star level in Orlando. Um, the three-point shot is definitely concerning for me right now. I think that's really the area where now not only is he not making them, but he's starting to not really take them anymore, and I think that really just messes with the the geometry of the floor and the way that Damar is able to um, operate from from those elbows. If Fuoch is also you know, going there instead of popping out to three, um, basically you're drawing two to the ball at any given time, and I think that's dangerous. So he definitely needs to get out of his head or, I don't know, like what he needs to do. He's He's been putting the ball in the, in the basket at a higher rate um, since 2022, but I think a lot of that is just the types of shots that he's taking. It's a lot of floaters going to the basket. Uh, they're obviously trying to feed him and force feed him at times in the post. Um, so I do think he has a lot of room to improve just because we've seen him You know, shoot 40% on six threes a game in the past. um, I don't really know what is up with that shot. I think really he he could, he could only he can answer that. But um, I I totally agree that he is sort of that swing piece for the Bulls um, in terms of being able to beat or even just compete with some of these high-end, you know, top five Eastern teams.
1: So, yeah, a rough few uh, first months for Vuce, obviously, but he's been coming on the last month and a half, you know, or so, uh, Trey. So, uh, you know, how are you sitting with Vuce these days? I know that you were saying from the beginning, you know, uh, this is the guy the Bulls need. This is the fit for the Bulls. I mean, I've asked you this recently, but, you know, just to kind of reiterate, how do you feel about Vuce these days?
2: Oh, I'm still super high on Vuce. Uh I think we brought Vucevic in knowing he had to play drop coverage. And because we have a smart front office, we went out and got Lonzo Ball. We went out and got Caruso. And we added these players to run a certain type of defense. And that's just, we haven't been able to run the defense we wanted to run. And because of that, Vucevic has been the guy that's been exposed. And if we have the guys to cover up his flaws on defense, I think he's going to look a lot better on that end. And the same kind of goes on the offensive end. He's a great playmaker. He's he, I, I agree with Will. I wish he would shoot a little bit more from three. You know, I love the fact that he shoots above the break. He, you know, he doesn't shoot from just the corners. Mm-hmm. I wish he would stretch the floor a little bit better. But I think we're not getting to take advantage of his playmaking as much because of so much isolation play. Because we don't have the playmaking talent across the board right now. So I think he's just we haven't he we're seeing his weaknesses and we're not getting exposed to his strengths and. He's got a contract for this year and then next year. After that, he's a free agent. Mm-hmm. I I think he's going to end up being a bull. I think he'll sign another contract, you know, probably for a little less money. But I think he's going to be around for a while because I think his game just kind of ages and translates well. And when you have DeMar and you have Zach, you need playmaking at all the other positions. And it's it's hard to find a three-point shooting playmaking big man in today's NBA.
1: He is certainly unique. I'm going to give you that. Um, absolutely, his offensive skill set is a unique one. Um, there's not many that compare to him. I was really hoping, when the rumors were swirling at the trade deadline, that they were the Bulls were serious about going out and get Jakubertl, and I would have loved to see Jakubertl as a backup center to Vooch this season, and then transitioning into a starting role for the Bulls. Um, I, I just, I, guys, I, you know, I don't know if you feel the same way. I'm going to shoot you a question here in a minute, but I just feel like. If you give another type of center, a a center that brings a different skill set than Vooch to the table, um, it's just better as a fit in in terms of fit. You know, I I love Vooch. Like I said, I think he's a a fantastic, you know, three-level scorer. Um, He does all those things that Trey was saying, you know, a great playmaker. He rebounds the heck out of the ball. I was actually looking at his numbers as far as rebound percentage goes. He's actually better than anybody else uh, in those top, you know, playoff teams. Uh, 19% for his total rebound percentage. You got Rob Williams at 17.5, Embiid at 18.8, Adebayo at 17.3, Jared Allen at 18.2, and then you're talking about defensive uh, rebound percentage. He's also the highest at 31, with Embiid at 30.5 right behind him. The only thing that he lags in as far as rebounding goes is his offensive rebounding, but that it, it, there's all, there's always context that's missing when you're just looking at box scores and you're looking at numbers so um it, it depends on where he ends up in an offensive you know set as opposed to you know really inform that number that's the offensive rebound so i'm not gonna like sit here and bash the guy he's a fantastic rebounder fantastic at screen setting screens and, and screen assists and all that i just think if you give someone like a miles turner uh you know a yaka portal or someone else uh, that has a different type of skill set a more Um, physical style of play, a chance to play. Because I'm I'm sitting here watching Tristan Thompson play with the Bulls. And, of course, I'm not saying to start Tristan Thompson over Vucevic. I'm not saying to start Tristan Thompson next to Vujovic. I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. Stop saying that, Bulls fans. That's dumb. That's really dumb. Um, But if you put a as-skilled player but with a different skill set into this uh, Bulls squad, I think I would like to see that. What about you, Will? How do you feel about that?
3: I think there's, I mean, there's value for any player like that to come in, especially if you're adding them and not replacing somebody like Vooch. I I do think that, you know, at the deadline when people were talking about maybe moving on from him or, you know, cutting their losses or, you know, some cost fallacy and all of that. um, I think in theory, like, like we're saying here, Vooch has the ability to pop he has a ability to post up, and I think his most underappreciated skill is his like passing out of the short roll. And they're just like there aren't guys who can do all three of those, um, and also provide you with like good spatial awareness on defense. It's like Cat, and Jokic and Embiid, and those guys are like the featured pieces of the offense. Uh, for Rooch to be the third option here, I think you're just really, you're not going to do better than that. And there are guys that are going to be able to protect the rim at a higher level or shoot the three at a higher level, but you're going to be sacrificing in other areas. And maybe you could say, well, Vooch isn't shooting right now. So, you know, he's really only doing two of those things. And that's certainly true, but I still think that the passing and the connectivity is probably the most important part. Um, he's still going to be treated like a shooter. He's still going to be able to post up, um, if he draws any switches. So, um, even though I, I, the, Efficiency is not there. I, I think what you have in him is probably, even if it's just in theory, better than what you would have, um, what you would get from anybody else that you like realistically could trade for.
1: Trey is uh, so is Vooch, You said he's going to sign on for with the Bulls. I'm thinking that you're probably going to say yes. But is Booch the center of the future for the Chicago Bulls for the next
2: four, four or five years? He's what he's 31 years old now, so I mean, I could see him playing until he's 34, 35. He, you know, he I don't feel like he, he relies on a lot of athleticism. So even if it comes to, you know, being a backup role and just, you know, being the smart, wily veteran who can come in and be the floor spacing backup three, or, I think he'll have a role on the Bulls for the next four or five years. Hopefully, you know, ideally, I, I just, I think he'll be around.
1: Uh, Will Vooch's contract is expiring next season. Is he a trade chip for the bulls or is he going to stick around? All I really know at this point is
3: that AK and Eversley are going to find a way to compete. I think, you know, if you're willing to trade future chips and Wendell Carter and two first round picks, if you're willing to make a move, um, to trade away like the locker room you know leader in the clubhouse and thad young and first round picks um i just think that it's really it's hard to say what the future will hold because those guys are so good at adjusting and finding ways to compete at the moment i think they've done a really good job of sort of hedging that with keeping kobe and patrick williams um around so they stay young and then also obviously zach levine just turned 27 today lonzo ball is 24. Like, they they do have a a pretty good um, range of age here. So in two or three years, who knows if DeMar is around? Who knows if Booch is around? um, Who knows if Pat and Kobe are around? But uh, I do think that they have committed to winning over just, like, bringing guys back or keeping them around or whatever it is. I mean, you saw them flip the entire roster. So that is kind of my perspective. That was a great (laughs) non-answer. Yeah, it's it's hard to say what exactly –
1: Know, yeah, the, on the roster. Yeah. No, um,
3: it, it, I yeah, think more than anything like they're going to make moves.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can't predict the future. None of us here have crystal balls obviously. Uh, I've been wrong probably as much as I've been right. So, uh there's no right or wrong answer just uh, what your opinion was. No problem. Uh last guy I want to touch on here guys as we while we've got Will is I want to touch on Ayatasuma. And I just want to touch on, you know, what his role with this team is going to be. You know, you just mentioned him well as, uh, you know, one of the young pieces of the young core of the team. You've got Kobe White. You've got Patrick Williams. You've got Io. You've got Zach Levine, who's still relatively young. And you've got uh, Lonzo Ball. And like you said, that's five guys, you know, all that are pretty young. But do they fit together? Are those pieces, you know, do they have some redundancies? So. You know, I has been forced into a larger role this season, which is probably a little bit of a blessing for him, honestly, because it's it's helped him to really grow as a player. I've loved what I've seen out of him this season. I think he's ab- absolutely there's no question in my mind or anyone's mind in the entire league that he was a steal in the second round where the Bulls got him. But, you know, without Zoe, without Caruso, without Patrick Williams, uh, this role that he even has right now is probably not going to be his role in the future. I wouldn't think so. Um, Trey, let me throw it to you, man. Is it going to is he? The team's like top defender. Is he a ball handler? Is he a scorer? Like what, what is his role on this basketball team? And what's it going to be going forward?
2: I think his role going forward is a backup ball handler and defensive kind of stopper. I think he comes in with Caruso and he's the guy who's handling the ball. We've seen him excel with, with Vucevic, especially in the pick and roll. He's, he's a really good, you know, primary handler in terms of initiating the offense, he's not quite as good of a connector. That's why I said pair him with someone like, you know, Lonzo and Caruso, because those two guys, if I can break down the defense and kick it out to one of those two, those two are going to, you know, make the defense pay. So I think ideally his role is coming off of the bench being the, you know, maybe the primary or secondary ball handler and just kind of bringing the defensive intensity because, when the team is healthy and everyone's competitive, that defensive pressure is just ramped up to 100. And him coming in and being able to be aggressive and just, you know, attack on defense, that's kind of what I think his role is going to be when the team's healthy.
1: I love the full-court pressure on, like, you know, James Harden or Trey Young or, or whoever. He just brings it up, you know, the full 90 feet. So, uh, Will, what do you think, man? What is, what's his role on this team? What's his role going to be going forward? I think he's sort of a star role player. Um, just
3: the kind of guy that every team wants in their rotation. Uh, he may not be playing 28 minutes a game like he is right now, but for somebody who can be, you know, I think he works probably best as a secondary creator. He he obviously like has a great relationship with DeMar and I, and I like the two of them playing together um, where DeMar can kind of do his thing. And then, You know, if he draws two, kick it over to Aya, who can then break down the defense. Um, The three-point shot has been much better than I think anybody thought. Um, And then also that primary, secondary defensive player. I would love to see some lineups with him, uh, Caruso, and Lonzo all together. I mean, nobody is scoring on that. Um, And that's kind of what happens when you have three or four big body guards who all have plus wingspans. Who can all defend multiple positions? You um, kind of flank DeRozan and Levine with guys like that, and it just makes everything run smoothly. So I don't necessarily think of him as like a featured piece of the offense. Um, he's he's sort of a star rotation player in my opinion, and I think that's like a great thing. I don't I don't want anybody to confuse that with, you know, yeah. his ceiling not being high or anything like that. I think that's a really important role to play and.
1: At 22 years old uh in his rookie season he's already doing that at a super high level yeah i mean when you get into the playoffs i mean you're going eight or nine deep and you're not really going anywhere beyond that but if your eight or nine guy is producing at that level it is so so valuable and uh, i definitely agree there i think i think that's a great a great point that he's just a star role player that's a really great um you know way to describe him i think so uh that's awesome and trey i'm gonna call you out man because uh off air a little bit uh, we, we ended our show and you gave me a little you stabbed me with a little something in my heart you were suggesting maybe bringing him off the bench right now uh while we were down zoe and, and caruso and uh, letting tbj start letting troy brown jr start yeah good walk me through that tell me your reasoning there
2: i wanted him to have the the ball and be the secondary playmaker some more i thought with DeRozan and zach and i think kobe was starting at the time too I just thought there were, there was too much offense out there for IO to really be able to thrive on that end. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't see for whatever reason, I didn't see, I wanted to see IO be able to come in and kind of run that pick and roll with Vooch and kind of just not be, uh, an afterthought on the offensive end. That was my thought whenever I said, maybe we try and bring IO off the bench and you know, you say some crazy things when you have a five game losing streak. You, yeah. you want to try different well, things out. I think I think in all
1: fairness and uh you know, obviously everything needs to have some context. I think that was after a string of games where Io had like zero assists or something like that or two assists or, or whatever. So uh and like three points or something. It was like it was like he wasn't producing a lot. Um, and that was kind of a concern of ours. So uh, but yeah, just some context here as far as like assist to turnover ratio, since starting and basically playing the point guard for the IO for the for the I had to it was for the Chicago Bulls. I had to zoom at a 6.2 to 1.9 assist to turnover ratio. Average across the league, according to StatMuse, is 4.1 to 1.7. So that's uh you know, a, a tad bit better um than the average so i you know i definitely think he you guys are onto something there with him being uh maybe a secondary playmaker or just somebody that that can create offense with the basketball i did also look at his assist percentage though 22 22%, percent uh 22.2 percent since starting from uh january 15th and if you look at other people all the other point guards in the eastern conference uh that are starting you've got lowry at 33.2 percent you've got Drew Holiday at 31.5%. You've got Harden at 51.9%. That's a very small sample size. That's since he joined Philly. You've got uh, Marcus Smart at 24.7%. You've got Garland at 39.9%. So really, only Smart is close to his assist percentage. He's... um, I don't think, you know, obviously, ideally, we don't have IO starting at the point guard. That's just not the role we want to have. And as Will said, he's a uh, spectacular uh, role player. And I think you even Trey's on something that when we fully get healthy, bringing him off the bench and, you know, letting him create off the bench is going to be really a godsend for the Bulls. It's going to be really fantastic for the Bulls because the Bulls are currently guys sitting at 28th in bench scoring on the season, uh, 17th. In plus minus, and uh, that's just not good. So, uh, any last thoughts on Io Dusumu, Will?
3: Um, I guess just like the one thing I would point out is that for me, like no matter what, Damar is sort of the point guard, and I think Io is, like I said before, just like the perfect secondary. You know, break down the defense as, um, as somebody who catches the reversal passes. So I really like him there. Uh, I do think, you know, he's got more playmaking chops than even like Lonzo or Caruso, just in the sense that he can really get into the paint. So anything you get from him as a creator, I think is extra because of, you know, at the end of the day, he's really out there to play great defense and shoot the three and then break guys down. Um, So sort of like a three and D
1: plus. Trey, when we get all healthy and everything over under 22 minutes played for Ayodizuma. Over, over. All I right. think
2: he's. I think he is going to thrive when Caruso and Lonzo are back, and like Will mentioned, having those. I think they're going to experiment having those three on the court, and I, I think I, I think he's going to. I think. What What about you? Over or under? Uh, I'm gonna go.
1: Gosh, that is, that is a really tough question, and I'm glad you shot that back to me, Trey. And while I'm talking here, I'm thinking about it, and as I'm thinking about it, I'm gonna answer over. Also, I think he is gonna go over. I think it's gonna be really matchup based though. Um, and I think, you know, you brought up the defense and just being able to pick up guys 90 feet and just be able to go, go, go uh, at every single you know, moment of the game. And I think that's going to be really valuable in certain matchups and in certain matchups, it's not going to be as valuable. So um, that is a tough question. I'm going to go slightly over maybe 23 minutes he hits or something like that. But uh, that's it. I'm going to let you will. I'm going to let you give us the final here. Give me your over under on 22 minutes for I.O. once we get fully healthy.
3: Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. He's, he's playing 33 minutes a night since Christmas. And obviously, I think that goes down. I think 22 is probably about right. Um, I expect Crusoe and Lonzo to both be at 30 if fully healthy. 30 plus. Zach and Demar are also going to be playing. You know, mid 30s. Um, I think we see a lot of four-guard lineups. Um, so I think he definitely still gets a ton of burn. Kobe's also in there. Uh, Javante, I think, has earned. Um, some rotation minutes here. And then Pat, you know, who who may or may not even be in the playoff rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think in some cases in the past, like Billy's gone six or seven deep in the playoffs. So um, when you're in those situations, you need guys you can trust. I was Ben great, but he's also super young, um, untested in that way. So I wouldn't be surprised to see his minutes take a little bit of a dip, but at the same time, like you can't really argue with the production that he's having and how well he fits next
1: to Zach and Damar. So I think 22 is about right. As always, a very measured answer from the Will Gottlieb uh, from CHGO. Very measured, not answered. <laughs> very measured, not answer. Uh, no, it was awesome to have you on. Uh, will, I hope you had fun, man. Thank you so much. Uh, will, where can, the, where can the listeners go find you on uh, Twitter and, and all the socials and all that good stuff?
3: Yeah, it was really fun to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, follow me on Twitter at will uh, that's W-O-N-T-G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B. Um, you can listen to our show, which happens daily um, uh, at AllCHGO. Um, you can subscribe to it on all of your subscribing platforms. Um, but come hang out live and watch on YouTube. I think that's been really fun and you can get your comments in there. And then writing at allchgo.com. So um, ton of bulls content for you over there. Uh, would love for you to join the show and
1: um you guys have a great show too so listen keep listening to this one Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, tell our guy, Mr. Marquet over there, uh, good day for us. Uh, He was actually our first guest on this show. So uh, (laughs) yeah, so pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Uh, You guys are both great. Um, But guys, before we go, I do want to quickly, uh, before we sign off, I want to also remind you all to use coupon code HoopBall20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HoopBall on the third page of the site up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. As always, I'm Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at at Keith And Trey, where can the people find you? On Twitter at Final finally, And go follow the show, guys, at Get Those Bulls. Until next time, Go Bulls!
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day,